You are now entering the transit zone. Welcome back to the transit zone. I'm Peter Clark in Melbourne, Australia. I acknowledge the traditional custodians of the lands on which I record and produce these podcasts, the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. I pay respect to their elders. Who really knows when our next federal election will be held? Possibly May 2022, maybe earlier. But as 2021 draws to a close, we're already in an incipient election campaign mode in Australian politics and its coverage, of course, in the political media. Here in the Transit Zone, because we believe it is significant in Australian political history, we've been examining and documenting the Voices for movement around Australia, the phenomenon of centre-right grassroots democracy candidates targeting Liberal Party incumbents in what are ostensibly blue-ribbon seats. You've already met some of these candidates, or women, here in the zone. The launches of new independent candidates in these electorates continue apace. Celebrity candidate Allegra Spender, daughter of the late Carla Zampatti and wealthy Liberal Blue Blood John Spender, is the independent candidate for the affluent and diverse Sydney inner-city seat of Wentworth, held previously by John Hewson, Malcolm Turnbull, and before the current Liberal incumbent Dave Sharma, by the independent Karen Phelps. The large and diverse New South Wales rural and regional electorate of Hume, held by the Federal Minister for Industry, Energy and Emissions Reduction, Angus Taylor, now has an independent candidate too. Her name is Penny Ackery. Her candidacy was launched in Goulburn recently. Margot Kingston, usually based in Comboyne, regional New South Wales, has hit the road for the transit zone to observe some of the independent candidates' launches and check out the candidates themselves. She caught up with Penny Ackery on her rural property near Goulburn. Penny, hello. Just thrilled to see that amazing country launch on the 13th of November at the showgrounds, big hall, lots of people. You're on the road. You're happening a regional candidate, so crucial at the next election to get that regional voice. So to start with, can you give me a picture of the huge seat of Hume? Well, Margot, it it is a a huge seat, as you say. So we stretch from the outskirts of Sydney right up even into part of the Liverpool Council area, down from that Warragamba area, right down through Picton, down through Bargo, down to the edges of Balmoral, um, down through on, on this side of the Hume Highway, right down to Goulburn and then out down some beautiful agricultural country out to Burrawa, takes in Crookwell, which is north of Goulburn. And there's a vast tract of land that's basically just big farms um, in that southern western area but it is so diverse because we have city type people, people that work in the city up north, down through people that are small farmers, small business owners, down to our larger agricultural areas down here. So very, very diverse. So why in, in your opinion, is, is Hume traditionally a safe Liberal seat, happened to be owned by um, Angus Taylor at the moment? Look, in 2016, they redrew the electoral boundaries. So initially, it was very much more a country seat, agricultural, taking in um, the likes of um, Cowra, which is north of Borowa. So 
it, when the electoral boundaries are redrawn, that's when it sort of became quite skinny in a way, going right up to the northern part, touching the edge of Sydney. So up until then, it had mainly been blue liberal, but there had been some Labor candidates in the past. But I guess when he was parachuted in, in about, about 13 years ago for the election, um, I guess it stayed that way because there hasn't been a lot of opposition, I guess, or other candidates putting their hands up. Labor has often done quite well, but it's still a lot to do with who the main candidate is at that time and people recognise. And at the moment, it's Angus Taylor, that they recognise whether they're up close to the Sydney or down in the agricultural areas. I gather that you're a country girl, Western New South Wales, daughter of a country school teacher, and you became a school teacher, special ed. What is your connection to Hume? How long have you been around and how involved are you in the, the Hume scene? So as you say, I'm a country girl born and bred Western New South Wales, but I bought property down here around about 30 years ago. Uh, just about 10 k's out of Goulburn, lovely country property. And so we've visited up and down for many years to this property. And in the last almost 20 years, we've been here living and working permanently. And prior to that, I was actually working up at Picton High School, which is definitely in the electorate in the northern part of Hume. Also because of the beautiful natural beauty, and I'm a bushwalker. So I've actually been in and out of the area lots and lots of time, spending time with friends up here that live in the northern part as well. So I have a very strong connection to the Hume electorate up and down the north and south part. So I gather you haven't been involved in organised politics before. How did you get involved in the Voices for movement and how early did you get involved? You're right. I have never been involved in joining political parties ever. I have an interest in what's happening in our democracy, obviously. About two years ago, I was approached to be part of a project that was doing community consultations in the Hume electorate. Um, and through this project, we talked to lots of different people in the north and south of, south of our electorate. We had formal situations where we sat down and asked questions and people discussed what they thought. And then more informal ones like at the Goldman Show where all sorts of different people came up and spoke to us. So we were asking questions like, what do you like about your community? What would you like to change? What would you like to preserved and and how do you think our political leaders are performing and up and down the electorate we had some very interesting discussions and I found that a lot of people were saying very similar things to what I was thinking so when it came to that point where we needed to have a candidate because that's what the project was all about finding an independent candidate I said yes I'd be happy to front a forum along with a number of other people so we had very formal um, presentations that the four representatives or the four candidates put up to country or town hall meetings and after two of those I was declared the winner I guess you might say it like that and so I've become the endorsed candidate and a lot of it has been because I've heard and listened to so many people who have so many things to tell us about what's happening in our electorate what needs to be changed what needs to be a lot better that I felt well I that really resonates with me and I thought yes I feel I can take this mantle on huge responsibility um, and very humbling to be trusted in this way to take on this mantle 
So that's why I am now the endorsed candidate. I listened into one of those virtual candidate interviews. It is the most open process I've seen in the Voices for movement. Anyone can just come in, have a listen, do their feedback, say who they'd vote for. When you got involved in the Voices for Hume group, did you think you might stand as a candidate or or were you just wanting to um, participate in, in the project? No, I had no thought that I might stand as a candidate. I thought this sounds like a lot of fun to get to know people, find out what they're thinking, find out a lot more about where I live as well and what's happening in the community. And kind of networking, I suppose, it wasn't something that was in my head that I might stand. Um, There was no reason for me to think that. I was just approached as someone that was in the Goulburn area that had time because I'd retired and had time and I knew people in the community already. So, no, I didn't think that at all. Why did you get involved in the first place? What were you unhappy about, about what was happening either broadly in our democracy or locally in Hume? When the project was put forward and it was talked about we need an independent candidate, I felt, yep, we do, because at the moment the person that represents us isn't representing. In fact, they're voting against our interests in quite a lot of matters. So I was pretty strongly feeling, well, We need somebody else to represent us and we need some choice. Labor often don't present a very strong campaign down here. So often there's nobody else that people see to vote for. There's no real choice. So I really felt that we needed to do something to change that. And if we could find out what people were thinking and they were thinking along these lines, then this was a worthwhile project to get behind to find that person that could be an endorsed candidate. You've been a, a week since you launch. How's your campaign team coming together? Because I've, I've followed a couple of campaigns where they go, oh, we've launched. What do we do now? And it's the people that, that come in and get the work done. You go, oh, I found the core team. So so where are you at there? Look, we've always had um, from, from some time ago a pretty good core team, people organising publicity, people organising venues, people organising all sorts of different things, um, setting up websites, setting up Twitter accounts. So there's an amazing group of people. It's not huge at the moment um, that are organising that bit. We've had a huge number of people volunteer and they started volunteering even before we actually announced the candidate, Uh, well before, in fact. There were lots of people putting their hand up to volunteer to door knock, to do letter drops, to be part of the launch, which was fantastic to see so many volunteers. So we've been very lucky. Um, The campaigns was basically there, the campaign management team was actually there before the launch even. And since then, we've had so many more people volunteer. They've got really excited. It's amazing the enthusiasm from within and without, within outside the electorate. So we've been very lucky in that way because the people that were behind this to start off with, they were very enthused to change. They've made a great team. In the, the rich inner city seats in in Melbourne and and Sydney, that there does not seem to be a money problem. And I'm just guessing that in the regions, it might be a little more difficult. So how are you raising money? Because, you know, a a vast seat, vast distances, a letterbox drop is a much different thing in in Hume than Wentworth, (laughs) much more expensive. So so where are you at with fundraising and um, and what are you looking at there to, to raise money? Prior to the launch, we'd already set up a website and 
people were already donating money. We had a lot of money donated on the day of the launch. And since then, with our website, pennyacri.com.au, lots of other people have been donating. And from many, many, many from within the electorate and many people from without the electorate too, which is interesting. So we're starting to raise some good funds there. What we're finding though, it's not just the donations that are coming in that make it a good campaign, but it's all those volunteers and it's getting out and talking and networking with people because ultimately you can put 50,000 letters in someone's letterbox. They may not read them and even if they do, but it's the bloke next door that says, hey, she's pretty good. I reckon I'm going to vote for her. Why don't you? And that's the really strong part of having a community campaign. So Simon Holmes, the Courts Climate Foundation, has expressed an interest in Hughes and um, actually met him for the first time at your launch. What's your view about accepting money from, from Simon's group? A regional seat's a little bit different than a, a city seat, isn't it? Yeah, look, there's been no definite yes, no at this stage. There's been no donation commitment made by Simon. He's obviously very interested and supportive, um, but there's been no money coming our way, no donations, nothing at this stage at all. And there may be some negotiations later on, but it's not a critical part of our campaign for him to donate, I guess. Um, and again, it's early days for all of those sorts of things as well. You're going to be asked this a lot during the campaign, Penny, so I'm going to ask you now. If you're elected in a safe coalition seat and you are part of a balance of power situation on the crossbench, what would be your attitude to negotiating on that um, that matter? If you're talking about legislation, well, when le legislation needs to be passed and it will be up to maybe up to the crossbenchers vote um, coming down to actually passing legislation or not, then I'm a community candidate. I'll have consulted with the experts. I'll have consulted with my community and if it's in the interest of my community and, and the wider population of Australia, I guess, as well, then whatever the legislation that will receive my vote. But it will really depend on what the legislation is. It's not a done deal that I will always go one way or the other. It's really up to my community with consultation with them and with experts and really considering what the legislation will do for my electorate. So what about when it comes to confidence and supply? If you have Labor with the numbers to govern with the crossbench and coalition with the numbers to govern with the crossbench, it's one of those issues. What would be your starting point as the MP for Hume? Well, I guess finding out what the positions of both of those groups are, finding out what the story, if you like, is behind those issues. And again, consulting with people who are experts in these sort of things and also with the community. So I think... It would really be up to me consulting with people in my community and around the electorate, which is the best way to go, what do you think, and then coming to a decision, having also spoken to both sides and to people who have a lot more knowledge to make that decision. Would it be a condition of you guaranteeing supply and confidence to a government that they pass a strong Federal Integrity Commission bill? From the conversations I've already had with a number of people, even yesterday at a at a bike club, 
I would I would be in I would feel that my community would expect me to vote for a strong federal ICAC. And local issues, Penny. Voices for Hume has brought together what the concerns of the electorate are. What are, what are the core local concerns that you will be trying to that you will be taking to Canberra as the voice for Hume in Canberra? Well, as I've said, the obviously the federal ICAC is very strong. We know that our internet and mobile phone reception up and down our electorate are extremely poor. In fact, um, in emergencies, it's very, very critical and people have been left behind and, and ended up with a lot of terrible situations because mobile phones have not been adequate. That is a huge issue in all of our electorate up and down. We have um, the need to make sure that roads within the electorate are adequate and We've got some of the worst in New South Wales in the Hume electorate. So roads Safe are seat, Penny. That's right. And, and for people up and down, it's it's really critical. If you're driving along a road, and I, I can attest to that myself, in a small car and there's a few potholes that you didn't expect, then you can do a lot of damage to your car. And I've had that myself. But I also know it's a safety thing as well. Um, when we think even about new new roads and the Picton Bypass is something that we have been asking for for many years and they're still talking about it after eight or so years and last year or year before in the bushfires people could not get out there was the roads were clogged because there's been new development and the little road through Picton and the single lane bridge that takes you out onto a road to get to the highway is just not adequate. So they want the Picton bypass. But another thing people are concerned about is people often move to this electorate because it is a country, a country feel, and they want to retain that. They welcome growth, that's not an issue, but they do want to be consulted about sustainable developments. And that is really critical, whether it's in Burrawa, whether it's in Goulburn, which is expanding hugely and even up into those small little towns of Bargo and around Picton and Tarmor. So people want to have that community consultation. They are not saying, no, we don't want it here. What they are saying is, can we talk about it and make sure that there's space, the green spaces is there, the recreational spaces, and that infrastructure, let's get it in now before the development actually is completed. Particularly in the inner city areas of Melbourne and Sydney, climate change is the up in lights issue that uh, community independence are standing on. What is your rural and regional communities feeling about climate change and where would they want you to, to go on that? I guess it's different depending which groups you speak to. Farmers understand that they need to change, but not, not need to change, but there needs to be a whole action plan from the government that one group can't do it on their own that there needs to be a government that actually has a plan, not just a plan, but action that starts now. Around the Goulburn area and around Crookwell and a good part of our southern part of our electorate, we do have renewable energies and farmers are finding that that's a good thing to have as a rule because they are able to survive through times of drought and they've shown that. People really want some leadership from the government and from their leaders as to the best way to manage the change that will come. And I think that's really critical, whether it's in the very regional part of our electorate or whether it's in the northern part of the electorate. 
Everybody wants clean water. Everybody wants fresh air. Everybody wants a natural green environment and the unique animals that we have. So when it fundamentally comes down to it, that's what everybody wants. And if it means that we need to have a emissions reduction, then we need to have a government that leads the way, not from behind, but from the front. Thank you very much, Penny. It's been delightful. To me, it's all very well having city independence, but you must have regional independence in Canberra so that there's not the city-country divide, so that you can get together and make it work for, for everyone. Thanks a million for agreeing to talk with me. Thanks, Margo. And can I thank all those people that have already sent amazing emails of support to us, organising venues for me to come and speak to, and just their congratulations. It really does show that Hume is, is for the taking, for an independent to be our representative. Thank you. Margot Kingston, on the road for the Transit Zone, checking out some of the launches of Voices for Community-Based Independent Candidates in New South Wales. She was talking with Penny Ackery near Goulburn, the just-announced independent candidate in that large and diverse seat of Hume stretching south from Sydney, held by the Federal Minister for Industry, Energy and Emissions Reduction, Angus Taylor. If you'd like to email us at the Transit Zone, here is our email address, transitzonepod at gmail.com. We always welcome your comments, your questions, your ideas for new podcast episodes. TransitZonePod at gmail.com. I'm Peter Clark in Melbourne, Australia. Thanks for listening and please join us again soon right here in the Transit Zone. You are now leaving the Transit, the transit Zone. zone.